Welcome back to Some Days Today. This is part two of our interview with Tope. Let's get right into it. I think, um, so there is this woman, a man's movement, right? That's, um, I don't know if you've heard of it. No. It exists. It's a, it's a big yeah. thing. Um, you know, I don't want to put this out there, but I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. There's this um, documentary called The Red, Red Pill where they discuss like this man's movement um the idea i'm just gonna quickly describe it and then you know i'm gonna go on to the point i want to make but the idea is um you know it's kind of like the backwards discrimination that white people say is happening men are now discriminated against like you know women are um women are uh um they don't understand that that men are also affected by society like they um they are the commit more suicides than everybody else. They have the most dangerous jobs. They have all these other things. And I think, I want to say that there is a point that is being made there, okay? And I think the way that they are going about it is entirely wrong. But I, but I, I actually do think that um, if we thought about it, now I'm going to get to that, but we thought about it in a way that we should, it's actually sort of help, it's, it's, it's helping the women's side. And this is the reason why. When you talked about your husband being an angry person, I do think that it is partially this idea of what role he has to play, and potentially, like you said, perhaps he wasn't ready, and he's in this position where he feels like, I have to be this thing, and I'm not, and so he's angry. And I think a lot of the times, you know, we are um, supporting the women, and that needs to be done. A lot, I think if you think about what the men are going through, and because they, they're taught not to be vulnerable, they're, they're taught not to be you know, to go and cry on somebody's shoulder. They have to be angry. That's how they have to express their hurt. This is potentially why it is that this is happening. There is a, the other side of it is we need to stop training our men the way that we're training our men. And we need to allow them to be vulnerable. We need to allow them to not necessarily feel like, you know, they have to be the breadwinners and all these other things. If you're not ready and your your man your woman is you know, the one that's bringing it, be the intern. And, you know, it could be, it, it could be both ways. And I think if, um, I think there is a need for, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he, <laughs> he, oh. So if you, <laughs> so let me, let me say two things. Let me say two things. Yeah. The first thing is, every time I post something about she, yo, <laughs> There are at least three guys on my Facebook who come up with when is he ill? This is <laughs> this is a running joke on my page. But you know, when when I hear about this men's movement, the only thing that comes to my mind is when people say black lives matter and people say blue lives matter and all lives matter. Right. The the, the fact of the matter is there is a demographic, there's a gender that is disadvantaged. Mm. Not to say that white people don't have issues mm -hmm. or white people don't get stopped by cops and you know Maybe I, I haven't heard any, but maybe go, get beaten. But when you look at all of the police brutality and all of the systemic um, oppression, it is with black people. So I feel like when we're thinking about gender issues, we have to also think like that. Unfortunately, it is women, whether it's African-American culture, Latino culture, or even African culture, it is women that have the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. And in training our men, one thing I agree is we have to train our men better. Mm -hmm. There is no reason for a man to tell me I can't marry a woman who cannot cook. Are you trying to marry your house girl? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what is that that we're talking about? 
I will cook for you. I will do stuff for you. But what would you do for me? Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to pay half of the bill when you don't even want to sweep half of the floor. Mm-hmm. So we need to raise our men better in that instance. But I also think that we need to understand the disadvantage that these sort of movements put our girls in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the, I completely agree with that. And an additional point that I would make is... Like, men are the designers of the space. Like, this is a world that was created by men and for men. Yeah. So if you're feeling the pressure, well, <laughs> okay. you're the one who designed it that way. So I think it's very um, difficult to expect for some sort of empathy or sympathy coming from the other side when you all are the chief executive and designer officers of this whole space so mm-hmm. yeah i'm sorry I, I don't want this to <laughs> yeah let's not focus so I, I don't I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to focus back too much <laughs> no no, no. i'm I, I, i'm gonna say this piece and then uh, if you have something else to add to it then that's fine i'm not gonna um push on this because this is not where we want to land but the idea that men are entirely the ones designing it i don't think is entirely true let's be clear there are a lot of mothers who are pushing their men, their um, their uh, sons to be tougher, and, and you know they fall down and they cry and they're they're pushing them to be tougher, and then their girls they could be all you know soft and whatever the case. Mothers are doing it too because there is an expectation. And I don't think it's necessarily entirely the fact the case that um, men design it at the very Those beginning. Those mothers were trained to do that okay. by their fathers. I know that I, I know that this is what the um, the narrative is. But I don't think it's necessarily that men came into a because there's a, there's a reason why disparate societies all over the world took on this this I- idea for the most part where men are you know the breadwinners and all these things. I think it is a function because we are we we are m- more animalistic initially, but we are also human beings and we can think. And as we grow and as we are able to provide for ourselves, we don't have to live in the same way. But the truth is. Earlier on, you needed to feed your children, and the only way to do so was to breastfeed them. I needed to go out and protect, you know, as as a physically stronger person. The men had to do that. That was a function of how we were able to survive. So the idea that men came together as a group and said, here's how we're going to subjugate women, I don't think is fair. This is how we developed, and now we have to, as intelligent people, move to shift that back to what we need to do. So I think that's the way that we should think about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, So I am curious as to how you then found, you know, so let's think about where you were and how you found the energy or the wherewithal to really push through, particularly as a Muslim Nigerian woman. How were you able to kind of get to the other side? I don't think I'm at the other side yet. Mm. I think I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I think the day you feel like you are at you are at the peak is the day you die. Mm. So, but I am aware of the disadvantages. I always tell people. I tell my students that when I enter a room, there are four strikes against me: mm. that I'm a woman, that I'm black, that I have an accent, meaning that I'm an immigrant, and that I have this hijab on my head. So. I don't get there trying to fight any of these things, but I get there trying to use all of those things as leverages. Mm. So every day I'm continuously just being who I am. 
for example, when the viral video went out and people started calling people, this video was viewed on by some people on Facebook like a hundred times, time, thousand times, and I started to do a series about the backstories. Mm. So for me, it's staying true to the authentic person mm -hmm. that is inside here and not being carried away. By, I always tell people, how many? So you have hundred thousand likes on a video, so how much money does that bring? Mm -hmm not to get carried away by any of this stuff and not to also feel down by any situation because there's the good side, there's also the bad side. Oh, they're going to look at me funny because I'm Muslim. Mm. But what about the opportunities that I've gotten because I'm Muslim? What about the opportunities I've gotten because I'm black, that I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, you know? So I just wake up every day and I know that if God brings me to it, it will bring me through it. Mm. Mm. So, so... I mean, that's great. But how did you specifically say this? I'm going to exit from this situation. Did, were you at least uh, emotionally, maybe mentally strong and at a point where it wasn't too much of a thing and you just felt like it's time to leave? Or what, what was that process of um, becoming this new person is? So if it's about the marriage and exiting the marriage, I think I'll be a little spiritual here because I'm a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. Um, I had had a stillbirth at seven months mm. in December 2010. Wow. And that shook me to my core. Mm. That just hurt me. And in June 2011, I had a miscarriage at six weeks. Wow. December 2011, I had another miscarriage at six weeks. And I remember when that happened, I said, God, you're trying to tell me something mm. and I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So the words I'm about to speak were my exact prayer mm -hmm. for f 10 days. I said, God, I'm going to pray and fast for the next 14 days. And I want you to speak to me in Tokwe language. Mm. I'm t I said, all of these things you're saying, it's angel language and I don't understand it. I want to hear you in black and white. Should I stay or should I go? You will think that with everything that was happening to me, I should think, go, 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 go. But I was still scared because mm -hmm. I, I had a wedding in Nigeria that cost $200,000. Mm. This was huge. It was on television. It was everywhere. And, you know, the, the, the joke will be, Ugh, those people, they did this huge wedding and then it's crashed. And I was afraid of, you know, that sort of judgment for myself and my family. And I was also afraid that I'm the second of four children I was the only one who wasn't married mm. so you know these were things that were that were weighing heavily on my mind so I don't want people to think that oh you know she just prayed and it was okay no I was these were the human fears that I was having I would get laughed at I was 35 and then I would be unmarried have no child maybe I'll never have any child in my life so I started praying I would wake up every day at 3 a.m. and say those things I just said and by the 10th day I suffered this huge assault. It was crazy. I can't even say it in the recording. It was really bad. Wow. And I knew that this meant go. Mm. And I always tell women, so I'm from a tribe in Nigeria, the Jebu people, we, we are very tight-fisted. Mm -hmm. And I'm an accountant. So I keep my money. <laughs> and so the first month of leaving that marriage, I had to spend $100 a night in a hotel in Silver Spring. 30 days, $3,000. Wow. Then I had to get another apartment that had video surveillance because I was just scared. Mm. And 
that was $2,200 per month. And then I had to pay the security deposit. So in one month on accommodation, I spent about $7,500. If I wasn't keeping money, I would not be able to make that move. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to make it. So these were the things that really helped me. Plus, I, I think having the understanding of my parents really mattered. I was of the opinion that my dad would never want to hear about divorce. I thought, I, I can't even mention it. But once I made up my mind that I was going to leave, I called him and I said, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm leaving. And he said, Bismillah. That means, you know, in the name of God, just do it. Wow. So that, that gave me courage mm -hmm. to, you know, push through. But it was hard. I always tell people that 2012 was a difficult year for me. Mm. It was difficult because I, I felt like I had failed. I felt like, you know, I, I tried and why why am I the only one whose marriage failed? Everybody has bad times. Why was it yours that failed? Mm -hmm. What was it that you did wrong? But but twenty thirteen I got up and I just got busy just doing stuff. And, you know, I think that really helped me. That really, really helped me. And also the communities that I've been able to build. By the end of 2012, I went to Ohio to campaign for Obama. And, you know, it was this nice community I was with. It was really good. It really helped me, really uplifted my spirit. I felt, I felt useful in some sort of way. So I think that one advice I'll give to women is that be very, very connected to your GPS. For me, my GPS is God. Some people, their GPS is something else. Whatever directs you, mm -hmm. be connected so that you're hearing directly. I always tell people that, if you have to tell me that God said I should do something, that means my phone is busy because it's trying to call me and I'm not picking up. Mm -hmm. So I need to, you know, exit the marketplace and go hear my message myself because nobody should hear my message for me. So one thing is be very connected. Be very connected. And the, the easiest way to get connected is to, to, to step away. Mm. Think about it. From morning till night, we're consistently, you know, wired in some sort of way mm -hmm. and i know christianity and i know islam and i don't know any prophet in the bible that god is revelation in the marketplace mm -hmm. none mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. how then do you think is it when you are in the car and you're listening to the radio or when you're in the office and people are cha -cha 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 -cha, you know or when the kids are yelling at what point do you want to hear where you're supposed to go? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that if I hadn't woken up every morning for 10 days, I was going to do 14, but by the 10th day, I already got my answer. If I hadn't woken up every day at 3 a.m. in the morning to really pray and hear and be still, I don't think what my ex-husband did would have happened, and I don't think I would have had the courage to leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, finally, I'll say that have the um, courage to understand that things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And when people say that, it sounds cliche. It sounds easy. But there is nothing tough that has happened to me that didn't come with a new purpose in my life. Mm. The first time I ever lost my job was 2008. I got to the office and I lost my job and I was really so scared. I, I had a new house. I was newly married. Everything was crazy. But if I didn't lose that job and I wasn't an unemployed for four months... I would never be doing this. I would never be here. Hmm. No. If my dad hadn't died, I would never have ch you know, changed my life the way I changed it. If I didn't have those stillbirths and the miscarriages, I would never have left my previous marriage. So these things are tough when they happen. They're really tough. But most of the time I say, 
God, let me have the patience to see what is coming. Mm. Because I know something is coming. It's for it for me to be hit this hard, something must be coming. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I sent a quote to I shared a quote with Mac today that I ran into on um Instagram. God bless Instagram. There's all these <laughs> <laughs> of gems on there. Um but it was um God, don't, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't mm. remember exactly what it is, but don't keep me from difficult times. Give me the wherewithal to be able to withstand those times, essentially, right? So, um, yeah. which makes sense because yeah. they are gifts, right? It's, it's what really helps to really propel you once you're able to push through that friction yeah. to get to. And it will level. be, it will be hard yeah. until we die. It's going to be hard. Yeah. That's just it. It's just, it's just going to be hard. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be. This is life. Mm -hmm. So, I'm sorry. Um, I want to push back a little bit. Please. Um, I Not only because I think that's part of how you just. Yes, yes. But um, also because uh, I know that there are other people out there who are probably like, what? Come on, man. Like, yeah. Because you know, I, I tend to be a skeptic um, myself. So, let me just say, not that I disagree entirely, yeah. but um, to play the devil's advocate. What about those people who don't go through that and seem to be doing it, you know, who seem to be happy, just as happy or seem to, you know, be hitting their stride or whatever the case may be like um, the world is not fair. And so for you to say it's because you're going to get something. No, it's because the world is not fair. Like and, and that's that could be what the lesson is, too. I mean, the world is not fair. Nobody told you it was going to be fair. And so just because somebody else um, got it doesn't mean you're going to get it. But the idea, though, that it's because you're going through this, it's kind of difficult for people to, you know, to, to bite. And I think that's an excellent point. So um, this is what I would say to those people. Every time I t my students have to make a speech in class and they tell me they are nervous, I say, good. Because if you're not nervous, that means the audience is not big enough. Those people who say they don't go through hard stuff, they're the ones who are on the path of least resistance. Mm. And the path of least resistance leads to nowhere. Mm. It leads to nowhere. You well, can you be... really have thought about this, huh? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have. When you think, oh, you know, I, my life is just good the way... It, you're not pushing. You're not reaching. Mm -hmm. you, you're not... If you're walking, just walking on a leveled ground... There's no chance you're going to fall. Mm. It's when you're trying to climb mm. and you keep falling and going back. Mm. That's when you're growing. Mm. So name one person. They, tell me one person. Tesla, the guy, what's his name? Mm. Look, his truck, whatever, just blew up. Mm. <laughs> you think that's what he would like? Mm. No, after all these years of testing and everything. This is the law of life. It is. Mm. And I think that once you think my life is so easy, then you're being very complacent. Mm. You're not being all you're supposed to be. Because if you're pushing and being all you're supposed to be, you will realize that there will be failures, there will be setbacks, there will be betrayals, there will be all kinds of pain. It's the only the brave that would keep moving. Hmm. That's amazing. Thank yeah, you. so let's um, jump a, a bit into the books that you are writing. I mean, you're pretty prolific. Thank um, you. And seem to write on all genres as well. So um, what was your first book and what kind of um, 
pushed you to write that book? So my first book was a finance book because mm. I'm an accountant and it's called What Colors Your Money? And I have to say a huge thank you to one of my classmates in Emory, a very good friend of mine, Bolaji Oyejide. I, when I left my first marriage, I was thinking, okay, so what are the things I've always wanted to do that I need to just get up and do right now? And I said, you've always wanted to write. Mm. I told you I think by writing, right? Mm -hmm. I have to write something mm -hmm. down. Otherwise, I would not remember. And I said, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. And then one day I was talking to him. And I said, Balaji, I want to write a book. He said, then write it. I said, no, I don't know what I'm going to write that people are going to read. He said, really? You've been an accountant for 15 years. And you don't think people are going to? I'm like, I don't know. So one day he called me on Skype. And he said he wanted to ask me some questions. And he's asking me and he's recording it. Hmm. And when we finished, he got someone to transcribe and it was this huge pages and pages and pages of books. And he said, that's your starting point. Wow. So that Thank was... God for good friends. I know. What I'm telling you. Friend. I'm telling you. And that's... I edited it. I changed like half of the things that were there. But mm -hmm. that was how I got into writing. The second one, Loving Cancun. Mm. This was... Now when I go on vacation, I write. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time I was doing that. So I'd gone on three solo vacations before Cancun. And everyone was a disaster. The what first, made them disasters? The first one was in 20, 2012. And I went to Charleston, South Carolina without my phone. Mm. First of all, I got to the airport in Baltimore. And I was arguing with myself, dragging my phone with myself. I went to put it in my glove compartment. And I'm thinking, no, don't do it. Mm. And then I said, wait, what's the worst that can happen if you leave your phone? I said, somebody might die. And then I said to myself, so if somebody dies, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I left it. I got to Charleston. I was like, what, what, what is this? You should not be here without your phone. And I came back and I felt like I didn't achieve anything. The next year, 2013, <laughs> I went to Puerto Rico. Mm. And this was supposed to be the destination of my life. Yeah. Remember, there was no phone. Mm -hmm. There was no company. I got into the hotel which I had, I, I can't swim, but I like water. So I'd gotten this married by the beach. I stepped into the lobby. I heard like 100 voices call my name. I turned. People from Nigeria, from the US. Were there? And you didn't know they were? No, what? they were there for a wedding, a destination wedding. Uh, in Puerto Rico? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God, my village people are after me. I was so sad. They were like, oh, what room are you in? Da, 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 da. Uh, there, there will be a match on television. They will call me, come down, come down, let's watch this together. I'm like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So that was a disaster. Mm -hmm. 2014, I went to San Diego. Mm -hmm. But that was the year my dad died. Mm -hmm. I'd lost my dad a month before. So I ended up cutting that shot. I couldn't think about anything, and I went back home. But in 2015... I went to Cancun. I just quit my job, got on the plane with all the money I had, went to Cancun. But this time around, I didn't take a camera. That was the magic. Hmm. I have an insane desire to capture everything, mm. either by writing it or taking a picture. Mm -hmm. And now I was now out of my element. I didn't have a camera. Cancun is the only vacation that I remembered out of those four. Wow. And I wrote in my book, I said, if there's anything you want your mind to remember, set up a love affair between your eyes, your mind, and that object. Hmm. Be still in that moment, and you will not forget. Cancun, I remember clearly. Charleston, every other thing, I don't remember. 
But I was in Cancun and I was just writing because I was bored. So I would be writing about people that were passing. I was just making up stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I said, oh, why don't I make this a love story? And I started writing about this man who came to Cancun with his son. And his son fell in love with me because the man was, uh, was widowed. And I wrote all of this stuff. Wait, the son fell in love with, with you? Me, yes. What so about the dad? The dad eventually did because of the son. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I go home. And, and I, was, I had this manuscript. And for some reason, this was August 31st that I got home. For some reason, between August and October, I was just thinking about this part of the book. So I went to, so I have a whiteboard in my home office. And I went to that whiteboard and I wrote, Okay, so the man in the book was five years younger than me. I said, I'm not marrying a child. So I said, I'm looking for a man that is 10 years older than me. So I said, five times two. I said, the man in the um, book was a widowed guy. He was a widower. I said, well, I don't want to kill anybody's wife. So <laughs> he can be divorced. I said, the man in the book had one son. I said, this one should have one daughter and one son. Mm. So I, I put it on my, on my thing. And there's something that I wrote in my book, in Loving Cancun. I said, if your mind can conceive it, then your Lord can do it. Mm. So in September, a friend of mine called me, October actually, October, a friend of mine called me and she said, oh, you know, I went to um, Hajj in Saudi Arabia and I was praying for you, but I can't remember what you're looking for. I was praying for a husband for you. I said, oh, you should have asked me. Well, I can tell you. So I wrote, I read out what, what I had on my board. She said, that is pretty specific. <laughs> I said, if your mind can conceive it, your Lord can do it. She said, okay, well, you're right, you're right. So two weeks after, exactly two weeks after, a friend of mine who is Nigerian, who doesn't know the other friend, lives in Colombia, sends me a text and says, I sent, I gave your number to a guy. I said, for what? She said, you know, I called her. I said, really? You're going to give my number to a guy that you haven't even told me about? Mm -hmm. No, that, that's not how it works. So she was like, oh, if I tell you about him, you wouldn't like him. I said, oh, my God, even worse. She, I said, tell me what I wouldn't like about him. She said his age, which was my age. Ten years. Ten ago. years, yes, wow. my target age. Uh -huh. Then she said, well, he used to be married. I said, I used to be married too. Did he beat his wife? Mm -hmm. She said, no. I said, we can do that. And she said, okay, there's one more problem. I said, what? He already has children. I said, how many? She said, two. I said, their gender. She said, a boy and a girl. Wow. I was about to hang up the phone. And I said, question, what does he do? She said, he has a travel company in Nigeria. The man in my book had a travel company. Oh, Lord. I'm getting goosebumps. I hung up the phone. I, <laughs> I like, cannot. Like, I hung up the phone. I was, like, I, I, I was really, 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 really crazy. Like, I was so sad. Wow. So, so I hung up the phone, and then I took the number that she had given me, and I blocked it. Why? I was just nervous. I was like, this really freaked me out. Like, mm -hmm. how can it be possible that you write something and anything comes through? So I blocked his number, and later that evening, I was going out to get something to eat. And a number called me, but it wasn't that number. You know, Nigerians, they have two, three numbers. 45 phones. Uh, you know how they are. So he called me from another phone. And this man called, and I was like, eh? Who is this old man? They sounded like a Yoruba person. I'm like, oh, hell no. We're not doing this. But we started talking. And that day, we talked for about two hours. Wow. And, you know, we, we were talking. We were talking. I was still thinking, ah, no, this is not the person. This is not the person. But I was listening to my GPS. I was listening to my GPS and I eventually met him December 31st. I was going scheduled to be in Nigeria anyway. So he came to meet me at the airport. And while we were talking, I said, there's a, there's something that I have to ask you. If you and I get together, I was made to be a butterfly. 
if I'm in Japan today, tomorrow I'm in Australia. Mm-hmm. The next day I'm in Mexico. Does it work for your government? Mm-hmm. He said, it works as long as I know where you are. Mm. Four years, he always knows where I am, and I'm always all over the place, wow. and he has never complained. So, But I think that that book has to be the most surreal book that I, I have written because it was like writing what you want. But I also learned that when you are still, you will write what you want because your mind is calm enough for God to inspire you with the kind of prayer that he will answer. Mm. So That's amazing. Thank I, you. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> that, um, that, I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so Mac and I, we were talking yesterday about how you know, it's kind of what you say about how we're all designed for a purpose. And I think that's um, essentially, you know, what has been, that's that's our programming. You yeah. know, just like a tomato seed, what's been pre-programmed into it is to bring forth tomatoes. Yes. Or, you know, other animals or, you know, organs, et cetera. And, and I, we said yesterday, I said our only job is to figure out, I said that he argued with me, as you can see, as he's always. <laughs> I said, at least he talks. My husband. I know. <laughs> if my husband was here, he would just sit down there and be looking at that. Uh, he would not be saying Are anything. Are we done yet? And then by the time you go, he'll be like, <laughs> he'll be all. I'm like, why didn't you say when she was here? Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> so he's talking. Let's give him credit. <laughs> but but I said I think our job as human beings, because because we do have the ability to get in our own way by overthinking things. So as opposed to the natural programming that we're meant to allow to play out, which is what God's vision is for us, we're too busy questioning every path of the, the process. You know, yep. problem, but what about this? What about this? So, um, you know, I think our biggest responsibility is trying to figure out how to sort of narrow into that space so you can allow for that programming to unfold. And be okay with... And be, be okay. Be okay if it doesn't unfold. But it does. I it, think it does. No, it does. Yeah. But it may you should be sold in the way that you, you want because you're not. The I always designer. say that. I always yes. say that you will never experience mind blowing success if mm-hmm. you're not ready to feel woefully. Yeah. You, you won't. And it's part of the story. It's part of the process. Yeah. And because, see, if I'm planning an event in Nigeria, I'm planning an event on January 25th. If I don't plan that event with all of my heart, then it's going to be mediocre. Mm. But. Planning with all of your heart means that you spend all of your money mm-hmm. and people might not turn up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People might not buy tickets. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to hedge, you know, that risk that, oh, okay, just let me not spend all of the money. Let me not pick a hall that is so expensive. Let me not, you know, cater food that is this level. Let me not do this. Let me not do that. Because people might not show up. You will plan a mediocre event and mm-hmm. you will not succeed. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you you must be ready to fail. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be ready to, to write this book, put it out there, and nobody should buy it. Do this podcast with all of my heart, and nobody would listen. Mm-hmm. Or people would be like, what was she talking about? Mm-hmm. That has to be good. Otherwise, you would never do things from that part of your heart where there's no fear. Mm. You would always want to um, you know please people or please yourself, and you will give less than. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, and, and it's also what they say, you know, what you meditate on becomes your reality. Ugh. So you're essentially bringing forth that which you're most scared about. I <laughs> have to tell you, I have, I have to tell you how much I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So this is what I do. If I want to do something, I'll buy a dress for it. Mm. So mm. the first time this happened to me was in 2014. I'm I was in. Sorry. I just, I, I, <laughs> I, I was like 
you're processing the thought before and what did you agree with? I'm sorry, I don't know if it's a What what you problem. meditate on becomes your eventually oh, is manifested. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So in twenty fourteen I was in Saudi Arabia. I was in a city called Medina mm-hmm. and my friend who was also from the US who was sitting down waiting to go to a holy site. It was about ten PM at night. So we're waiting for the person who would take us to this site. And we were sitting down on a slab in the hotel. And I saw this mannequin and it had this gold dress in it. And I said to my friend, I said, oh, Rashi, tomorrow, when this shop opens, please come with me. I want to buy that dress. It was fabric. She said, that's a wedding fabric. I said, exactly. I want to buy it for my wedding. She said, really? You don't have a boyfriend. You don't? I said, what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. She fell on the floor, like she fell up to the floor and started laughing. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. I said, look, by the time the dress comes back from the designer, the husband will have come, but I cannot be caught without the dress. So she came the next morning, she was like, are you really seriously doing this? I said, look, just come with me. So we bought the dress. We go back to the US. I sent it to a designer in Senegal. The dress came back to me after I came back from Cancun. Wow. And then I wore the dress on my wedding. And when I, I had a five-minute wedding in an Arab mosque in Laurel. And it was right after a regular Jumat service. So I had won the dress, but I wore a black robe on it. And she was sitting beside me because she also lives in Laurel. So when, we, when the wedding was about to start and I removed the black robe, she was like, oh, my God, <laughs> are you serious? I was like, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. So you... you I have to be able to buy that dress, mm-hmm. knowing that no husband will come. Mm-hmm. But what you really meditate on comes true. Mm-hmm. When um, In 2014, when my dad died, I came back, and I do not spend money on luxury stuff. I do not. So, But I, I, I wanted to make myself happy. So I went to this person who was selling designer dresses, and I bought, bought this dress for $400. It hurt my brain. I was like, $400, what is this nonsense? So as I was going home, I said, okay, so this did not bring your dad back. Mm-hmm. And you bought this $400 dress. I do not buy $400 dresses. I do not buy $400 anything. I do not. <laughs> so I was like, so what are you going to do with this dress? I said, well, I'm going to wait to the White House when President Obama invites me. That's what I said. So I put the dress Did in you my know President Obama? No. <laughs> <laughs> but no. you're expecting an invitation. Hey, hey I had I a like dress, it. a $400 dress. What was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. There was no other, pa- there was nowhere else I was going to wear that $400 dress dress. So I put it in my, in my closet. And 2016 came. And President Obama was leaving. So I wrote to a friend who works at the State Department. Thank God you guys are American, so you know that the State Department is not the White House. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wrote to a friend who works at the State Department. I said, the title of the email, please do not laugh. In the body of the email, I said, you know, I know that the president, every president, well, except for this one, every president invites Muslim members of Congress and Muslim ambassadors to the White House to break their fast on one night during Ramadan. Can I come? She wrote back, ha, 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 ha. First of all, I do not work in the White House. Secondly, you are not a member of Congress <laughs> or, <laughs> or an ambassador from a Muslim country. So I'm not sure how we're supposed to do this. I said, well, it's okay. So I went to Nigeria. I was in Nigeria for Eid, for Ramadan and Eid. I was supposed to come back from Nigeria two days after the Muslim holiday. So, of course, the fasting has gone. The president 
has done his iftar, the breaking of fast, except that I got an email. The president and the first lady hereby invite you to the first ever end of Ramadan party at the White House. So how did you get an invite? Ha! You better speak it. What? <laughs> you better speak this thing. And he decided to invite about 100 Muslim Americans. Who was on the list? Me. But the only problem, they said dress code, business casual. I said, hmm, they must not know about me. <laughs> I have a dress. I got to the White House. We're like 100 people trying to clear security. And I'm the one that is just dressed up like In a ball gown. <laughs> Look, don't think about no, no. I'm sure Michelle was looking at you like, listen, you're not about to come up in here. <laughs> I was I was just besides myself. But truly, it's a funny thing, but wow. the, the truth of the matter is that I spoke the reason for that dress into its life. And I said, for this dress be four hundred dollars, there's only one place it's going. And that's the White House. And we have to understand how powerful mm. our thoughts are, mm -hmm. how really mm -hmm. powerful it is, especially when it is not intercepted by fear. Mm. So, Wow. That also reminds me of something, because I've been getting a lot of um, sort of just um, ideas recently, and that whole um, notion of how powerful your thoughts are when it's not intercepted by fear, um, for me, represents... I feel like if you are able to conjure something, that's yeah. the universe telling you. It doesn't yep. matter how big it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter um, even how unreal it is when, with respect to your current reality. Yeah. Um, the idea that it's a thought that's now entered your mind means that's exactly it can what happen. Is meant. Not even, I think it's meant for you. Yes. Because otherwise, why would that be there? You know. Yeah. So that. So I've also been trying to. In the process of trying to understand what my purpose is, lean into those random ideas that seem to come out of nowhere mm -hmm. um, and look to explore them. So that's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Let me ask a question. Because um, I think, you know, when I was processing, it was because you had said uh, you cannot um, ever achieve success if you are prepared for utter failure. Yeah. And I think what you just said kind of, um, you know, aligns with that, the idea of um, unencumbered by fear, because, you know, you're not fearing the possibility of success. I mean, of failure, rather. Um, so, I guess um, it, it, it clarifies it for me, because that's why I was like, eh, I don't know what that means, but it clarifies it for me, because I, I think, um, let's just, for, for long story short, I, let's just say I agree. So let me just say. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to be convinced, and you know, you're doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> Which I, I've known this man for 21 years. He's never been convinced of anything. Believe me. It is not <laughs> so, true. It has some Nigerian in there somewhere. It has some oh, Nigerian in there. That, yeah, in the Nigerian. Uh, Nigerian is in there. Slave. <laughs> but, um, no, no, no. I mean, obviously, I've been convinced, right? That's how my thoughts grow. Mm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, I meant anything I say, but you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, not true. But um, so, what I want to okay, so how? Because your mind 
for lack of a better word, has a mind of its own. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could say I'm not going to be fearful. Yeah. But uh, here it is. Yeah. How do you get unencumbered by fear? Mm. And I always say there are two types of fear. I'm, t- I'm speaking at an event on Sunday, and the, I was writing my notes for that event mm. because I have to write everything in advance. And one of the things I wrote was there are two kinds of fear. There is the fear that is empowering, that challenges you, Mm. that scares you to submission to your purpose. But there's the fear that paralyzes you, that makes you stand still. Most of the time, we think these two are the same. They're not. If you're not afraid of something, it's not big enough. It's not big enough. It is not big enough. Like I said, I want to do... CEO in Silicon Valley in 2020. I do not know anybody in any of the tech companies. None. Nobody. And I want to have a sponsored gathering of women of color. Mm. And I'm scared of it. Every time I said it now, and I'm scared of it. Mm. But the fear I have is going to push me Mm. to think about it day and night and to do it. And if next year ends and I am not able to do it, okay. But it's not going to be that that fear stops me from saying, you can't achieve it. So don't worry. But we always think that it's the second kind of fear that we feel. Every time we feel afraid, we feel like it's the one that makes you stay stuck. But it can't be. It mustn't be. And we have to be able to fly with our fear, walk with our fear. I am the kind of person that I'm always afraid. There's only, there are only two times in my life that I'm not afraid. Only two times. The first time is if I'm in an exam. I know if I, if I panic, I'm going to die. I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm driving. Those two times, no, no, no. Like, we need to stay alive. But every other time, I'm scared. Like, I was scared coming to this podcast. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to say? What's she going to ask me? I don't know any questions. I don't know who our audience are, blah, 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 blah. You're going to have all this chatter in your head, which is normal. And I still have it in my head right now. I'm thinking people are going to listen. Like, oh, what's she talking about? But We have, like, ten listeners. <laughs> <laughs> today. This, we're going to have a billion. Today. You th- no, no, no. no today. Is- today. You have ten listeners. And those ten listeners, this is what I always say. You have to understand that some people are called to ten billion. Some people are called to 10 people and if if only one person of your 10 listeners gets the courage to do something because i was on this podcast then Mm. my mission is accomplished Mm. in 2000 in 2014 i got um i said i wanted to go to the white house so i called my senator or congressman one of the two and i said i want to go to the white house on a tour so they gave me a date to go to come on tour may 31st then I changed my mind. I said, I want to go to Saudi Arabia for a spiritual journey. And I called them. I said, can I change my date? They said, no. Once you cancel this one, then you're going to be, you know, in the pool again. Mm. And I was thinking, which one, which one, which one? Tour the White House inside or go to Saudi Arabia to pray. I said, oh, please. The White House will be okay. So I went to Saudi Arabia. I came back. I'm laying on my couch one Saturday. And I just checked my email, and the email said, you've been invited to meet with senior administrative officials at the White House. What is going on? (laughs) (laughs) To to set the agenda for the, Obama had this US-Africa forum that he invited all the African presidents Mm -hmm. to set the agenda for the US-Africa thing. I was like, really? Of course not. So, and then they said, 
submit the security form. It had my social security number. I had to put my social security number, my date of birth. I'm like, oh, really? You don't even know I'm from Nigeria. I don't have time for this. You want to 419 me. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that No, you want to steal my identity. So mm-hmm. I closed it. On Monday, I got a reminder, you haven't submitted, and the meeting was on Wednesday. Wow. So I called the White House official, public, whatever, and they said, what's your name? I told them, I said, oh, you're on the list. There are 30 people coming to this meeting. You're one of them. Wow. So I got into the White House. First of all, I'm scared of dogs, really scared of dogs. So the fourth security into the White House is a dog, and you. <laughs> I looked that dog in there. I'm like, I'm going into this White House with or without you. So I went, and when I got to the last, the check-in place, I said, can I ask you a question? How did I get on this list? Mm-hmm. The lady said, are you not the host of Impact Africa? Wow. Which I thought only my mother, my father, and my sister listened to. Wow. So you don't know who's listening. Wow. That's amazing. So Impact Africa is was my was my podcast. I don't podcast, do it anymore. Yes. Wow. That's that's that's. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good. That's good. This is gonna be a two pet pa- um two part episode, guys. Yes. Um no, this has been amazing. Thank you. Um yeah, I don't even know. So so did you wanna say something? I, I do. Um I gotta think about how to formulate the question though. Um I feel like I'm also kind of able to draw the conclusions too so it's kind of like um i had the question before but then some of the responses you gave are kind of answers to them so i don't know if i need to rephrase it now that i kind because you know the, I, the question in my mind is kind of shifted but um um so part of it is you know you get to the idea that you want to do something this is what i was thinking and then you know um whether it's because of fear or it's because of like I don't know, maybe laziness. I'm not sure exactly what it is. That's my like, point, is laziness. My, 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 my life is just because I'm lazy. But I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you. With all the things you're doing. <laughs> you're lazy. You're I mean, I'm dead. <laughs> if, you're, if you're lazy, I'm dead. I'm in um, coma. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And maybe it is fear or whatever it is, but, like, you know, you, you get excited about something, and then it's like, you know, the first... Um, few times you go and do a whole bunch of things and it's like, you know, I just want to sleep. <laughs> so how do you combat that, I guess? Oh, that is a real fear. I promise you. So if you see my to-do list, I always have pages and pages and pages of to-do list. Mm. And after a while, I'm like, really? Mm. But I think that my my way of combating that is is my approach to saving money. And I'm not sure if you were in my class when I talked about saving money. You have to have something to look forward to. Mm. If I'm saving money and I don't have any goal for the money, I will spend it on anything. But if I have that, oh, I want to use this to buy a Lamborghini, I'm going to be stashing that money until the Lamborghini money is complete. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, you know, finding time to be able to do something. The first thing that I do is I have at every point in time in my life a vacation ticket to some place, even if it's not till December. So I have a countdown mm. to the time I'm going to rest, the time I'm going to go away, the time I'm going to go to Hawaii, the time I'm going, like, you know, so it keeps me 
feeling like, okay, yeah, I can do this now because there's time coming. Because if you don't feel like there's time off, there's downtime coming, you're going to feel like I'm always up doing something. Mm -hmm. And you will feel fatigued. So my husband, he gets tired of me and my planning for vacation. Mm -hmm. He gets sad. He's like, really? Seriously, are we going to talk about Hawaii again this morning? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll wake up at 5 o'clock and say, hey, when we go to Hawaii? <laughs> then he'll say, but can you just plan this thing and leave me out of it? Then in the afternoon, hmm, when we go to Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to eat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my way of, you know, just keeping myself motivated. Because we're human beings. Mm. And me, I get tired or... Tomorrow, call my phone. I'm when we're sleeping, man. Mm -hmm. I'm when, like, I'm sleeping and sleeping and sleeping, and I feel like, ah, top you spend your entire life sleeping. But it's because I feel like I work so much mm -hmm. that I have to have that time to just shut down and rest. So give yourself, be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself, and remind yourself again that you are not God. Mm -hmm. Today, I finally did the brave thing of removing red receipts from my WhatsApp. What's <laughs> So you, if you send somebody a WhatsApp and you don't remove red receipts, they can know when you've read it. Mm. You have yeah. that? There's an option for that? Yes. Oh, I'm going and to. And I never... Yeah, it's like the two checks. No, yeah, yeah. the two checks are green. Yeah, so yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I never wanted to remove red receipts because I wanted to know when people also read my messages. Right. Mm -hmm. But today I had to remove because at every point in time I have at least 100 people that I need to answer on WhatsApp. Mm. And so when I read their message and I want to mark it as unread so I can get back to it later, I feel like when they see that I've read it, they will be offended mm. that they weren't front and center in my life. Mm -hmm. So now I don't want them to have that option. Yeah. To, they, I want them to think I haven't read it mm -hmm. or not be sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I said that today, I'm like, I'm not God. Mm. If you are sending me a message, there are people from Nigeria and America sending me the same message. So I have to be kind to myself mm -hmm. and understand my limitations as a human being. If I spend every day um, replying my messages and my emails and my phone calls, I will never get anything done. Mm -hmm. So be kind. Yeah, no, I stopped. My, my WhatsApp is on page three. I hear you. I get to it when I have the mental space. Yeah, I Otherwise, hear you. It's too much of a distraction. It's too much. It's yeah, too much. I, I don't know how people do it, but yeah. um, but it's impressive. Um, yeah. So before, I, I'm interested in all of the various projects that you're working on and how they fill which part of your life or, or purpose um, are they filling and how did you come about? Settling, settling on these specific projects. So it looks like you have about 10 of them. <laughs> it's I, a lot. <laughs> I hope not. I, I truly hope not. But every project I'm doing is something that I wish I had mm. when I was going through that part of my journey. So you're creating a, the world that yes. you want to see. Yes, yes. I wish that there was a place I could go to listen to listen to other women and their scars mm. so my question is why not do the farm in nigeria i know that um um that there's a big push for especially um i think it's a uh, scalable or mass farming so why not do that in nigeria as a way to you know i guess add to the economy excellent excellent question so the the when i got married to my husband the uh, choice was either i moved here um, he moved here or i moved to nigeria mm -hmm. and i didn't want to move to nigeria at least then so the question of him doing farming remaining in nigeria doing farming didn't really come up if we when we go back to nigeria we will do farming in nigeria mm -hmm. 
but for now we're here and there is a huge demand for farming in the u.s especially mm. in this county montgomery county mm. so yeah there is a big push the montgomery county is the county that has the largest ag reserve mm. in the country mm. a lot of the um areas are designated as rural mm. so you can't build one house one dwelling on more than five acres mm. like five acres only one dwelling mm. because the rest has to be used for some sort of ag you know um service or ag work mm. so there is way we're luckily in a place where we can do this and do it profitably mm -hmm. and but nigeria is definitely going to happen awesome i had no idea that there was such a demand I, in fact i thought it was the complete opposite where the government is paying the farmers because they're they have way too much and that's the way they subsidize it that's not the case <laughs> no not really mm -hmm. and but you know the unfortunate part is that over half of the farmers in the state of maryland and this is my business side coming out now mm -hmm. earn less than ten thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. so there's a lot of poverty with farmers mm -hmm. which is why i said in my video that i did that um, farmers need a trusted advisor mm. to be able to go through the numbers, to be able to explain why we should farm this produce and not that produce, go mm. to this market and not that market. So it is it is hard work. It is um, You can be on the short side of things and not earn money, but if you manage it right and your GPS says go that way, you will make money. Mm. We mm. should have you on for Partners for Growth. One is to <laughs> talk about. So we also have a, a business podcast, podcast for business for... where you can talk about like uh, the business of farming. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. If you come mm -hmm. back after all of these <laughs> <laughs> random technical difficulties. <laughs> it is okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that's amazing. So I, so I told you at the start of this um, episode that um, with every episode, I'd like to at least improve upon um, the last episode by incorporating something that is going to progress, you know, the, the project in one way or the other. Clearly, we've had multiple setbacks since the last um, episode, given all the randomness that happened today. But, um, no, but, but this I is great nonetheless. This was the hmm. content, though. Is amazing. It's, it's, it's Thank really you. Yes, okay. yes. Um, so the 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 question. So what I said was, um, I want to be um, kind of just talking about in closing some of the things that you're thinking about as you work to continue to propel yourself to the next level. So I have three questions. Um, the first is, um, what is your biggest fear or fears at the moment? I think my biggest fear. At every point in time is dying mm. when I'm not ready. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So w you mean when you're not ready, meaning when you have not fulfilled yes. your, your yeah. mission. Gotcha. Yes. It's like waking up, I mean, I'm on the other side and I feel like, oh my God, mm. I should have been a better person. Mm. I should have done this. I should have done more. Mm. That always pushes me. Mm. Mm. Well, how would you know when you've emptied the tank though? Well, you never know. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if this is, if I'm supposed to, you know, have done this and that, but I'm just going to keep trying. Mm -hmm. That That is a fear that chases me to, don't sit, don't sit, just keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, because you don't know. Mm -hmm. My dad died at 69 and I, I didn't think he was going to die until it was like 90. And I kept thinking, what if he didn't do all he was supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So that is the thing that really scares me. Did he seem fulfilled to you though? Or at least... Um... Did he when feel I, like he when was I think about when I think about my dad, I feel like he was done. Mm. 
Mm. I feel like he was done. Even though we don't think we're done. Yeah. One big thing that my dad, my dad's passing made me more spiritual than anything else. Mm. My dad was a businessman and he was always highly leveraged. Mm -hmm. Meaning that, you know, he would be in debt, mm -hmm. the bangs up to his eyeballs. And there's something about Muslims. If you, if your loved one passes and they were in debt, you have to pay the debt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my sisters and I, we used to think, oh my God, if this man dies, we're screwed. Because mm -hmm. we have to sell everything and we still don't have anything. Mm -hmm. My dad died without any debt. Wow. That was just crazy. Like, it is something I can't wrap my head around five years after. Because it wow. was always leveraged. Like, how could this happen? But it was a sign that it was time. Mm. So, mm. you know. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Indeed. Yeah. So how, the second question then is, um, how are you pushing through? So in light of this fear, how do you continue to push forward? I give myself breaks. Mm -hmm. I try to pray a lot hmm. i try to reduce the distractions from people mm -hmm. and i try to surround myself with a good tribe mm -hmm. with a good tribe i think you can find out what you're supposed to do but if you have the wrong tribe mm -hmm. you will fail mm -hmm. because you'll be you'll be living somebody else's experience mm -hmm. you'll be the copy of somebody else and i i so I'm very, very particular about who I spend time with, where I spend time with them, what I do. Mm -hmm. I, one of the strangest things about me, as extroverted as I am, is I do not really, really um, take visitors in my house. Mm -hmm. I hardly. If you find somebody who has visited me in my house, we're really close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because once I'm home, I want to just leave it out there mm -hmm. and just, you know, I, I, and just get centered. So I try to, you know, give myself that free space away from everything else and all of the things I'm doing. Because I have a lot of social interactions mm -hmm. with people. And I think some, that is good. People give me energy. But you don't know how low on energy you are until you spend time with yourself. Mm -hmm. So I try to spend time with myself a lot. And I try to spend time with my husband, who is, you know, my advisor mm -hmm. as well. So. so let me just say that... I feel extremely honored that you would even honor this invitation and that you've come Why here not? and have been so generous with your time, insight, information. I mean, just so grateful. Thank so you. Thank, thank you, you so much me. for that. Well, and then my last question is. Can I just say also before you end there, um, mm -hmm. you drag me around a lot. I do drag you. <laughs> Sounds like my husband. He sounds like my husband now. Let me tell you, a lot of times, he's always for the better. It's, al it's always for the better. You come out on the other side and you say, you know what, that wasn't bad. A lot of times. Um, As you are about, about to say all right the now. Time, but a lot of times. But this was definitely yes. Thank one you. of those times. Thank that you. I'm glad, glad I dragged like, you. I seriously, the whole time, I'm like, I don't know why I'm... <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm here today. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad. It's nice to meet you, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, and then the last one um, for the closing is, um, what are your wildest dreams, um, particularly for 2020? We're at the end of the year. We're planning for 2020 or even greater, if you want to um, talk about dreams beyond that. So I've already mentioned one of them in person, which mm -hmm. is to have a Shio event for women of African descent in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody there, mm -hmm. but 
I'm speaking it into existence and I know that it can happen. But there's some guests that I want to have at that shield that mm. I would rather not even say. Mm -hmm. But there's some guests that I just think about them and my heart beats. <clears throat> but I know that it can happen. Mm -hmm. So I think to have the opportunity to interview people who inspire me, mm -hmm. you know, in front of audiences that I don't necessarily know, and to make some sort of impact, to bring out the true stories about them that people don't even know yet. Mm. That is something that I'm looking forward to. And I'm hoping that the universe makes it happen. Mm. Wow. Mm. Well, with that, um, there's not much else to say. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much Thank for you your for time. This has been yes. amazing. Yes. I'm pretty sure all our, ten, all of our 10 <laughs> listeners will benefit <laughs> greatly I'm pretty, from listen. this. <laughs> After hearing this, if you don't share, no, wrong. Uh, no, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure people are gonna share, download. Yeah. I will I mean, share with my five thousand. Oh wow, eight thousand followers on Facebook. How okay, about that? listen, wow. <laughs> <laughs> look at God. <laughs> at least I have five thousand friends and about thirty five hundred followers. Oh wow, so I will share with them. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're so, welcome. well, I mean, it's nothing else to say. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Here's the tagline and. This may be in poor taste after this, <laughs> after this amazing uplifting. But this is who we are, a little ratchet. <laughs> Meg, I'm gonna let you close this out because I don't even feel right um, saying it. I mean, Thank I you for listening. I know this is so upsetting. Woman. I don't even know whose idea was it to come up with this tagline. Uh, you. <laughs> When you said that, I was like, uh, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. All right. Well, go ahead. Thank you. Take us out. Um, live your... Thank you for listening to the Some Days Today podcast, podcast live where we encourage you to... Live your life like it's a fucking dream. <laughs> <laughs> vacation. vacation. Like it's a fucking dream vacation. We apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my I god. Hope, I hope the producer will get paid because he did a good job today. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You should get paid. There there you go. Given putting listening. ideas in this man's head. He, he did a good paid. job. He did a good job. Oh, uh, thanks Thank producer. You. Yeah. So with that, we are out. Thanks everyone. Have a blessed day. Yeah.